3: the fourth episode of Concussion Chats. My name is Taya. Concussion Chats is a podcast hosted by the McGill Students for the Concussion Legacy Foundation with the help of Nick from Concussion Talk Podcast. We hope to provide hope and strength to those suffering from concussions through sharing experiences. Today I have a recording of Dane Wagner's talk to our concussion support group. Dane is a former McGill university linebacker and a recent grad who stopped playing football due to concussions. Dane now spends his free time running, playing volleyball, um, exploring new music and recipes.
2: Hey everybody, my name is Dane. Um, Thanks for the lovely introduction, Taya. Um, My pronouns are he and his. I also just want to preface this speech with a warning. I'm at my grandmother's house right now. She does have some sort of parakeet or cockatoo that likes to squawk periodically. So if you hear that, don't be alarmed. Uh, If it gets too bad, I'll go outside or maybe just set it free, who knows. Um, (laughs) All right, so, all right, let's get started. All right, so um, today I'll just be telling you guys a little bit about my story and kind of how I recovered as well um so i'll start from day one i grew up in a small town in florida um you guys may have heard us talking about that earlier um basically here you know football was king it was like everything um the whole town rallied around our high school team You know, it was kind of like hockey is for many of you Canadians. (laughs) Um, It was, you know, I had a great time playing football in high school. It was uh, a way for me to, you know, have fun and also kind of got me to McGill. Um, So one of the reasons I was successful in football was uh, this kind of fearless play style that I had. Um, Unfortunately, it's a game where if you are willing to run into someone full speed and put your helmet into theirs, uh, you're gonna be pretty good. <laughs> and that was something I really enjoyed doing. Sadly, it was something I was taught to do. Um, and it's something that never really caused me any issues growing up, at least not that I could uh, you know, recognize. So I eventually made my way to McGill. Um, that's a whole nother story that could <laughs> Take a long time to tell. Um, yeah, I I played linebacker there. I found some quick success on the field, at least individually. I started uh, my first game there. Had a great rookie season, and you know things were things were looking up for me. Uh, you know, doing well in school, doing well in football. Um, it seems like I really had it all together. You know, and then second year. Um, Wasn't quite as well individually, um, but it was, uh, you know, we made the playoffs as a team um, for the first time in like five years. So I considered it a successful season. So our last regular season game of my second year, I believe we were playing University of Montreal and it was pretty late in the game. I was, the quarterback was scrambling out. I was running, you know, trying to tackle him. Next thing I know, I'm blindsided by quite a big player on Montreal. Um, My head kind of hits the turf. I know I blacked out for at least a second, but the primary concern of mine was that the wind was knocked out of me, and anyone that's ever had that (laughs) done to him, I'm sure most people have. It's pretty scary, you can't breathe. so I went to the locker room, you know, they checked me out, saw if I had any concussion symptoms or anything. I was like, no, no, you know, I'm feeling fine. I just had the wind knocked at me. I can go back in because I truly did feel fine. You know, the adrenaline was uh, still in me and everything felt normal. I just wanted to get back out there, help my team out. So I ended up finishing that game. I believe we had another quarter left. Um, and then I just recall after the game, I just did not feel right. You know, I got home, the adrenaline wore off. Uh, I just had a pounding headache and headaches were pretty normal after football games, but not like this. And I, you know, I didn't think much of it. Um, I took a nap, took some Advil, and then like an idiot went out drinking that night with my teammates. Um, But anyways, for the rest of the week, I just did not feel right. I couldn't pinpoint what exactly it was, but I knew something was up. However, I didn't tell anyone I, you know, I was under the impression that um, we were in the playoffs. I was, you know, a key player and this was the first time we had been there in so long, you know, I had to play. Um, But that, I just remember that next playoff game where I was playing and I wasn't feeling right. I was just, I was playing scared, which is something I never did. Um, Luckily, I didn't take any bad shots to the head that game, but I know afterwards i was just not feeling right um i still decided not to tell anyone because i thought the doctors or my coaches would be mad at me if i had knowingly played with a concussion so i decided i would just kind of deal with it on my own i you know rested for a week um and then i thought i was feeling a little bit better (laughs) And then I was playing some pickup basketball with some teammates of mine. Took a bad fall. Headaches came back. I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what other symptoms there were. But that's when I finally went to the doctor and they told me, yeah, you have a concussion. Take it easy for a few weeks. Did that. Um, You know, the symptoms went away, thankfully, at least then. And uh, so that was my first concussion uh, in football. I didn't really think much about it you know, afterwards about the potential long-term effects. To be totally honest with you, I avoided reading anything about concussions or traumatic brain injuries. Uh, The movie with Will Smith that came out, Concussion, I wouldn't watch it. I probably knew, like, I definitely knew I had suffered some. And to be honest, I didn't want to think about it. Um, I just wanted to, you know, put my head down, keep enjoying playing football so the next year so this is my third year um i had a very very good season breakout season i won a lot of team awards it was uh probably my best season ever uh i was you know i was doing well in school all that but i remember there were a few games where i i took some hits that were definitely pretty sketchy although i never missed any time that year i uh I started to notice kind of during that season and afterwards for the next year or so certain things uh about myself that weren't weren't normal such as I was in kind of a constant mental fog it seems like I couldn't really focus as well as I previously could it was often difficult for me to uh, find my words and conversations with people especially you know more uh intellectual I guess conversations like you know school conferences and things like that I just often found myself struggling to uh even be able to find what I wanted to say and it was it was a very odd feeling for me I had no idea what it could be from Uh, I never spoke to anyone about this but it was it wasn't constantly there but it was it was uh typically there. Now that I think back on it, it was especially there if I was, you know, stressed out. Um, but anyways, yeah, I never spoke to anyone about this, but it is something that I kind of battled with, uh, within my own head, uh, for quite a while. It caused me a lot of, uh, I would say social anxiety but i I don't know if it was quite to that level but i would find myself avoiding interacting with new people just because i felt as though i couldn't even conversate with them i felt as though you know i was too stupid or what have you i don't i didn't know what was going on with me but um it kind of it kind of changed who i was as a person but like i said i didn't even think that football could have anything to do with this I didn't know what was happening with me. Uh, so then the the next year, my fourth year, go back to McGill. Um, everything's going well. I'm named uh, team captain of the football team. I was pretty ecstatic about that. And then our first game, once again, against University of Montreal, I remember it was very late in the game. We were getting our butts kicked, as we often do by them, uh, sadly. Um, they call a blitz for me, which means I basically try to time myself up with the snap of the ball and just hit the line running full speed, which I did. I timed it up perfectly. I collided with the running back in the backfield. And next thing I knew, I just got up. It felt like a bell was ringing inside my skull. It was so weird. But, you know, it was a good hit, it was a good play, and of course, as uh, teammates do in football, all my teammates came over to me and, you know, started slapping my head, <laughs> headbutting me, uh, <laughs> sadly, <laughs> that's how we celebrate. <laughs> um, but yeah, I you know, I knew at this point I was a little more aware about the adverse effects of a concussion, especially after my first one. I didn't want to deal with it as poorly as I had previously. So I, you know, let the trainers come on the field. They took me out, uh, underwent all the symptom testing and whatnot. And they diagnosed me with, uh, another concussion. And I didn't, I didn't think too much about it. I was like, Oh, you know, this is, this is football, like kind of just happens, uh, you know, a few weeks, I'll be fine. And I did notice, however, that those, that mental fogginess, uh, that inability to find the words that I wanted to say, that did get a little more severe. Um, however, it had you know been present for so long that I once again didn't really think it had too much to do with the concussion. But anyway, three weeks go by, um, I go through the protocol, the return to play protocol, and I'm eventually, you know, I'm back out there on the field in three weeks playing in a game. And I play two games. Um, I'm fine. You know, I don't take any bad hits to the head or anything. But then my third game back pretty Pretty early on in the game. I remember I was playing I was playing linebacker. We were at uh, University of Sherbrooke. They threw a little pass to their running back who was this massive, you know, 6'3 240 pound guy and I go out there to tackle him, you know, I kind of break down and he just kind of puts his head down, you know, like the crown of his head toward toward me. I try to get as low as I can to tackle his legs. I can't get any lower. So as I try to get lower, my head goes down, kind of our crowns meet and uh, it's a pretty nasty hit, but I don't, I don't black out or anything and um, I stay in the game. You know, my coaches are asking if I'm all right. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. But then I just started making uh, very silly mistakes on easy plays and my coaches pull me out of there. They're like, are you uh, like, are you sure you're fine? Because that you've never done anything like that. And I was like, I I don't know if I'm fine or not. And he's like, all right, you're you're coming out. Um, And so I stayed out the rest of the game I remember being at the bus, and I was just in tears because I kind of knew I was like, "All right, you know, this isn't a joke anymore. Two in uh, five weeks or whatever. This is, you know, probably going to be the last time I play football." And uh, I did not really want the last time I played football to be in a loss at the University of Sherbrooke. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever been to their field. It's just <clears throat> kind of a depressing place. <laughs> um, So yeah, I, you know, I still, I had kind of come to terms with the fact that this would be the last time I would play and I was, you know, it wasn't the greatest thing in the world to have to go to practice every day and, you know, be there for your team as the captain, but not be able to play and be feeling like crap. But, you know, I kind of came to terms with the fact that okay you know this this is fine i had a good career you know i just i want to get better now i want to like move on to the next thing uh you know just continue to do well in school whatever um i thought you know all right this is my third one it might take a little longer you know maybe a month maybe even two um two months go by the symptoms are really hardly improving and it's just, you know, the brain fog, uh, headaches. Um, let's see, noise sensitivity was a big one for me. Uh, I started having really severe neck pain and that was awful. Um, but you know, they didn't, they didn't really ever get better. They just kind of stayed stagnant and, uh, then i eventually started getting on this exercise program uh, you guys some of you may have tried it um it's kind of the i think it's like the buffalo protocol we were talking about it a few weeks ago kind of a version of that where you moderate your or monitor your heart rates uh go on the bike a few minutes and you know keep increasing keep increasing that whatever and i finally started to feel a little bit better and i was you know just excited to even be you know able to exercise just a little bit it was it was great And then, uh, you know, finals came around and the stress of finals, uh, you know, constantly having to study um, just made the, uh, made the symptoms kind of come back worse than ever. And I just, I remember that final, that final season, uh, I basically spent a week straight locked in my basement apartment (laughs) without windows. I would just study for 45 minutes, an hour, and then just go lay on my bed with like my eyes closed for like 15, 20 minutes, go back and do it again for like a week straight. And I was like, all right, you know, this is my low. (laughs) Uh, this is as bad as it's going to get. Uh, little did I know, (laughs) but any, anyhow, I went back home, uh, you know, finals over with kind of made it through did okay on them. After about three weeks, being back home, I, you know, I started to feel kind of normal again. My, that mental clarity was there. Um, and it was, it was the best thing ever. It was the biggest feeling of relief ever, um, to be at, able to actually think and like, you know, not have this constant brain fog and it was, uh, it was great. And I went back to school. I was like, okay, I'm recovered. I'm going to, you know, attack this semester head on. I'm going to work out every day, do yoga two times a week, kill my classes, you know, I was taking a pretty difficult course load. I was like, I got this, you know, I'm ready to go, I'm a new man. Um and everything was going great for the first few weeks and then I remember I had a biology exam and just after that exam like it was very it was a very tough exam. I didn't get the, you know, uh Extra accommodations like extra time that I probably should have. I thought I didn't need it, and I just remember after that exam, my head was throbbing like absolutely like just this throbbing headache. And I woke up the next day, it was still there. Uh, Brain fog was there. It was oh, it was terrible. It had kind of it had kind of like you know started to slowly come as the exam as I was studying for the exam and. I, you know, I was like, oh, this is weird. Like, how is this coming back? That That's not possible. And uh, next thing you know, you know, symptoms came back basically worse than ever. Um, headaches were terrible. Noise sensitivity, the neck pain, brain fog, all that. And, uh, you know, I was devastated. I was like, I thought I made it through this terrible thing. Uh, I thought I made it through this terrible thing. Um, but... You know, I I didn't, now it's back. I got to start from square one. Like, what am I going to do? And uh, I started trying to, you know, I started trying to calculate why my symptoms had come back. I was like, oh, it's because, you know, I was taking this many classes or I was, you know, sleeping this many hours. That's, that's the reason why, this is the reason why if I do this and that, um, you know, I'll be okay. You know, I try to kind of make a formula out of it. Um, and the reality was i just kind of went too hard uh and i I didn't realize that i started kind of trying to control you know everything i started to try to control you know the amount of time i spent on my phone per day uh the amount of time i spent looking at screens in general i was like if i sleep this much study this much look at this you know screens for this much i'll i'll be fine i'll be totally fine Um, you know, I thought I had it down to a formula. Like I said, um, I just started trying to control everything. And then, you know, sadly you can't control everything. And then next thing, you know, one night, um, have a few assignments, do whatever. And heart just starts pounding. Uh, I was having a panic attack is the first one I'd ever experienced. It was like most terrifying thing in my life at the time. Um, I'm sure many of you have experienced the same thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was not, not a fun outcome, but my roommate kind of talked me through it, but I still had no idea what it was. And then just for the next, you know, few weeks or so, I was just constantly anxious like on the verge of having panic attacks every day. Didn't really know what was happening to my body. It was super freaked out. Um, it was pretty terrifying. Uh, especially having no idea what it was. That was like the worst part. And so one day, you know, I just kind of in a panic, I try to see my doctor uh, at the McGill Sports Medicine Clinic. He's not in, it is, I guess he's out of town doing something there's another guy in there. I'm like, hey, can you guys give me something for this? You know, I can't focus, I can't study, I can't sleep, this is terrible. Just give me something to help me sleep and I'll deal with the rest they prescribed me a low dose of uh, some antidepressant, and they were like, Oh, it's just going to help you sleep. You know, it may help your mood a little bit, whatever. But I, and I started taking that. It started giving me terrible side effects, dizziness, um, like straight up vertigo felt like my head was spinning. Anytime I turned my head. Um, And as you guys have probably experienced similar symptoms from the concussion itself, So here I am thinking I, you know, I'm experiencing all these new concussion symptoms. It's really affecting my vision. Like, uh, I don't know, this may be getting a little too detailed, but, you know, it's really screwing with my vision. My vestibular system is all messed up, basically. I can't like look at a screen or read without like having terrible eye strain. And, you know, I'm under the impression that my concussion symptoms are getting worse Uh, but it's actually you know the triad of symptoms from the side effects of the drugs the anxiety and the concussion it was just really it was a really weird time and i was eventually able to you know pinpoint uh well actually those symptoms you know was giving me worse anxiety but then the drugs itself was helping with the anxiety it was just it was really weird. Uh, my body felt like a, uh, like chemical cocktail, <laughs> basically. And uh, yeah, eventually I was able to pinpoint that, okay, these were, you know, these symptoms were from the drug. Uh, I should probably get off this. Saw my doctor, got off it. Uh, the vertigo remained. And I was like, well, this can't be, you know, this can't be, saw a psychologist, she was like, oh yeah, you know, we see this all the time. Uh, The only way to like get rid of the vertigo is to stop compensating for it, you know, stop like being really slow, whatever. So I don't know, that was just a crazy experience. But um, eventually, you know, I made it through the semester. I basically deferred all my exams. I was able to go back home. Luckily, I had the opportunity to go stay with my parents, not work and kind of just focus on recovering for a while and that's what i did that summer i just like let go of all tried to let go of all extraneous stressors i really uh devoted myself to that exercise program that my doctor had given me um which is apparently been proven to you know help people with these prolonged symptoms post-concussion syndrome if you will um and that was what kind of eventually got me over the hump um was that program i'd be happy to share it with anyone after this uh, i believe i have, i could not find a link to it but i have pictures of all the sheets of it um so i could share those with you guys but um yeah so it was you know it was a wild ride and then after after about eight months of that eight to nine months of that last concussion was when uh i really you know stopped having symptoms and i stopped i stopped tuning in to my own body so hard and looking for those symptoms um which was which is the hardest thing to do is to kind of like get out of this hyper aware state that so many of us get into um you know we go into uh we go into you know protection mode we want to protect ourselves we want to do everything we can that's right um, but sometimes like you just you gotta let some things be uh, you can't can't got of can't try to control everything is uh, my my number one piece of advice um, I think we might be getting close to time so I can share other advice if anyone has any questions or anything but uh yeah that's my story and now I you know, I've been symptom-free for, let's see, a year and like three months now, and uh, I I would say that, you know, I'm changed. I'm changed forever from that experience. But ultimately, I emerged from it more self-aware, um, healthier. Actually, um, you know, in a weird way, I think it was a blessing in disguise because it, you know, otherwise, you know, I might still be playing football and you know taking those sub concussive hits that can really do some long-term damage um but yeah that's uh that's it if anyone has any questions hey Dane real
4: quick what are you doing now in life
2: oh in life <laughs> uh i'm just you know hanging out watching this bird but uh <laughs> no um yeah so i just graduated mcgill Well, just graduate. I graduated in December. Uh, Since then, I have been Let's see, I spent like four months studying for the MCAT, which is the entrance exam to get into medical school. Um, So that is my plan as of now. Uh, Since then, I've been back in Florida, moved back to Florida to spend the summer here working on the beach, just needed to make some extra cash. And yeah, just been working on the beach, applying to med school, and uh, trying to figure out what that next step is. That's awesome.
3: Thanks for sharing, Dane. In prior support meetings, Dane had discussed some vitamins and supplements that uh, he found really helpful throughout his recovery. Um, So we have an additional clip of him just sharing uh, what really helped him
2: see so one thing that I started doing over that period after the period after the initial uh, like finals final exam period where I started feeling better was I started taking this multivitamin pack which included omega-3s as well as two multivitamins with a bunch of there's that bird <laughs> with as well as all right hold on <laughs> let me go outside <laughs> sorry about that uh yeah so i started taking basically the supplement pack uh, i you some of you may have heard about dr daniel amen he is like apparently some brain guru um you know i i want to think he's not a total scam artist <laughs> because I really did find some benefits <clears throat> from using these vitamins for a time. You know, it's got vitamin A, vitamin C, all your, all your essentials, a bunch of, uh, I guess, some, some nootropics maybe. And then like omega-3s, let's see, thiamine, I don't know, a bunch, a bunch of stuff. But uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, he has a company called BrainMD. And the specific supplement that I was taking was brain and body power max. I kind of just stopped taking it. Um, But I did notice, you know, maybe it was from the fact that I just had some rest um, and, you know, a little bit of time to de-stress, but it it did seem like taking that made a huge difference for me. It kind of like, I think helped accelerate me to a place of, you know, more mental clarity um, and whatnot. Um, so, brain and body power max, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of expensive. I think it was like one hundred twenty dollars for a month supply. But what I did was I just took like I took a month supply over two months, so it was like sixty dollars a month. But I did think it kind of helped, you know, with my energy levels and um as well as you know just like generally boosting my immune system like i couldn't really tell you the last time i was i was sick but then again you know mainly uh that could be also due to just like better stress control and better sleep
5: <laughs>
2: uh so brain md is the company and brain and body power max was the uh supplements but there's a ton of other ones that you guys should really look into if you're interested in any uh, vitamins or supplements.
3: Thank you. That was a great talk from Dane. Uh, Today, I have Emily, who is also part of McGill Students for Concussion Legacy Foundation, Nick from Concussion Talk Podcast, and his new co-host, Aaron, uh, who is the coordinator of programs and services from the Newfoundland and Labrador Brain Injury Association joining me.
5: So what do you guys think of James' talk? Uh, who's going to go first? <laughs> uh, I guess I will just start talking. But I thought I thought it was great. That was very thorough. And uh, he really knew and understood, like, understood himself. I know he had like, a bunch of issues and stuff. I understood, like, what happened to him. And, and it was good to hear that even though he was going through all these issues, that he wasn't afraid to speak in, in like, you know, the stereotypical – football and supports is that you just don't talk about it or ever but he's obviously very willing to talk about it and shares emotions and his struggles and i thought that was I thought that was excellent so
4: yeah i think it was also him talking being like really honest about how he um when he when he got was it the first concussion i think and he didn't want to tell us coaches, so he's like i'll just suck it up yeah that's so typical of what we hear from athletes that's like the concussion, um, you know we have our support branch but then our education branch goes into schools and talks about you know why it's important to speak up and like we're really trying to avoid this exact situation we're trying to you know hope coaches <laughs> understand that they shouldn't be angry with their players but you know Taya you're an athlete I was an athlete like it's scary when you had to tell your coach that you <laughs> Like I played four broken wrists. Like
3: it's I, crazy. No, for sure. Like it um and also as like an athlete, like I don't know, I really just cared about playing time. I just wanted to be on the field and like I felt like like to me like having a concussion was like a sign of weakness and like I was playing rugby and hockey, like I did not want to be seen <laughs> as weak, but also I was playing those sports. So people definitely didn't yeah. see that. Um, But I myself have played through countless concussions and ones where I just didn't tell trainers or my coaches or even say anything to my parents. But I knew, like, after my first one, I knew, like, what a concussion was, what it felt like. And I would just play through it because, well, I don't want to just sit on the bench for two weeks. Like, Yeah. yeah.
0: I think it's definitely like a delicate balance between how do you make a concussion serious but less scary too because the more scared you are to like tell someone the worse it's going to get and he even mentioned that which was so interesting how insightful he was to that Yeah. and just pointed out like being so scared to tell and then getting back into sports and avoiding it, all of that it was really interesting how raw and like he was able Mm -hmm. to say but he definitely learned from his mistakes too because he mentioned the second one where it was like, no, I knew. Like, I had to
5: sit back and l- let it happen. Yeah. yeah. He, he seems very, like, aware of his situation. Like, not he just not necessarily now, but, like, even when he was going through it, he seems more aware of his situation. Like, I mean, he said he cried, like, on the bus. And, I mean, I'm not sure how, the, how McGill's the football team was, but, I mean, generally in sports in the sports team, you don't want to be in a big crying with them on the bus or – going to the bus, like, that's not something, that's generally done, and generally, like, people will be like, oh, what's wrong? Like, you know, like, I, I, know, I know this situation so I found that surprising that he was so plain to say that, like, he did that, like, in the band, he wasn't, didn't have problems with it, like, that he just did that in the middle of the season or whatever it was.
3: But also, just the fact that, like, he kind of realized so quickly that, like, this is it um and obviously it wasn't that quick that he accepted it but um he was aware of it and um like when he was talking about um in fourth year like he was more aware of like the effects of concussions and like he allowed the trainers to come onto the field and them and them with another one um, rather than just being, like, oh, look, I'm fine, because he talked about, um, and I think it was his second year, he was just focused on, like, the wind getting knocked out of him, so, like, he didn't realize it was a concussion, and, um, and also, when he was talking about playing scared, um, I never really thought about that, like, I, um, I used to be, like, fearless in rugby, like, I would always tackle, and then, um, I remember, like, coming to university and playing rugby for McGill, and like i was a terrible tackler because i was so scared yeah that was
4: that was like my one of my biggest issues is i i really wanted to play again and technically at the time the doctors were saying well you've only had two concussions so you can still play it. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then the second one like it's been 8 years now. <laughs> I'm still dealing with it. Um, but I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to I'm going to play again." And I did end up playing a couple games, I think. My last year of high school, I got the injury my first year of high school. Um, but for so long, I remember my therapy being really like, "Get her back on the field, focus. Get her back yeah. on the field, focus." And we spent so much time working on like my reaction time and my balance. And meanwhile, I'm like <laughs> so like don't know what's happening in my brain but my body's like my muscle memory is learning again mm-hmm. and as soon as i think i stepped back on the field the first time i think i started like like it was like headaches all the time every time i stepped yeah. foot on the field and it was just like my brain like panic 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 like anytime for years anytime somebody came at me i was like like came towards me too quickly i jump like it, i was so so scared and usually we've heard people in um we were talking to a neuropsychologist one time, and she was like, "There are patients who will, like, duck under like twelve foot t- to walk
3: through doorways." Oh yeah. Because they, yeah, there. Or there was one girl um, who came to the support group a while ago, and she, um, like, I think it with the going through doors. Like, she was worried about. Um, I guess she'd been hit by a door, and she'd gotten a concussion from it. So. She always had, like, her brother or someone, like, walk. I think it was, like, behind her or in front of her. Um, and it's just it's so crazy that – I don't know. And just to think that, like, what Emily said about, um, like, your uh, trainers are just, like, let's get her back on the field. Like, you know, like, you've only had two concussions. You're fine. Your bells ring been rung twice, but it's fine. Like, don't <laughs> worry. Like, and I mean – like, I remember my first concussion. I got smashed over the head with a hockey stick. And within a week, I was back to playing because I'd passed the test. Well, the tests weren't hard to pass. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> count. we I was strapped into this
4: machine and the floor would move. I learned how to count. It, <laughs> I knew it, yeah. it wasn't
3: randomized, like, it was a timer. And
4: I actually. Yeah. Had-
3: to get back to their game they can do it easily like it's not um the protocol has definitely gotten better over the years but still not great but it's just like that's the primary focus um is just to get the athlete well enough to get back to the game not get them good for life just like to be good enough to play again and uh, potentially get another concussion <laughs>
0: yeah. and half the time too for athletes like the game is their life like that's yeah. what they want to get back to so it's obviously they're gonna only get themselves good enough to that point because that's <laughs> all that really really matters to them in that moment yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah i see and i want to ask you about the uh i, think, I just want to take over the hosting duties that's uh, yours but uh you did behavioral neuroscience and so uh they they talk about discussion about the uh like ducking under doorways that are you're like 12 feet high and like you're like five foot five and like you duck under a doorway that's high like mm-hmm. that type of thing i think that's like
0: you... ptsd yeah. Yeah. yeah it sounds a yeah. lot like the fact where he was talking about the anxiety that came after too that reminded me a lot of like all those post symptoms and like if anyone ducks underneath or is triggered by anything like that's all rooted within the anxiety you feel after So, like, of course, you're going to be more scared and, of course, you're going to get more anxious about these things because you already are in that brain fog that you described so well. And it was just, like, the brain fog of not understanding then getting more worried about the symptoms that keep coming up. It was really interesting and helped explain a lot of why those anxieties stick around, I think. Yeah. Yeah,
5: Yeah, I was going to say, Emily, did you find, like, didn't you had like, practice? Practice even? Like, or was it just games that you got really, really, like, headaches and you're on the field
4: um it was just if i went out to like go kick the ball around not even oh, yeah. practice oh really yeah but i was what i was gonna say real quick is the there's um i'm working with one of my concussion doctors right now and i had like a lot of suspicion of this it was like five years ago i'd come up with this whole tan as i like, do it come up with this whole hypothesis about why <laughs> I have dry eyes so bad. It was crazy. But it came back, I, I'd have to find it. I don't know if it made sense, but it came back to me basically coming down to this decision that my brain is stuck in the sim or tends to lean towards the sympathetic nervous system. I tend to go into fight or flight. Um, and then talking to my doctor just like three days ago, she was like, Yeah, your brain keeps uh, going back into fight or flight. And that's why your vision is kind of getting a little messed up. And we need to balance that out a lot um so I think that's some of it too is like it really is a trauma and after that it's yeah. really jarring and we talked you Aaron what you were saying about it being like an athlete's life it is and that loss or in that mm-hmm. losing that thing that defines you or really you feel like defines you I think it's part of what causes so much of that trauma is like mm-hmm. that's trying to lose who you are <laughs> yeah well I had music otherwise I would have been totally lost after losing soccer mm. not that I wasn't yeah. totally lost
3: I really <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like losses sport is like such a hard thing to go through like I um after getting injured in second year like I didn't play rugby again so this is going on year two now not playing and like that's been hard like that it's been really hard so I've just kind of like dove into all this concussion stuff now and and kinda try and like um push to the side but loss for it's really really hard and um especially if um he like he was talking about like how he was doing so well too um that makes it even harder like it sounded like he was having great seasons and um it just yeah. Yeah
0: he mentioned in between two
5: of the
3: concussions it was like his best season he
5: won a bunch of awards yeah. too yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I think right. that was eventually his fourth year yeah, yeah I mean I, my, my when I, I sports abandoned well I abandoned sports sports abandoned me which was, was obviously a lot different than just than having a concussion I was I was forced more than I could I couldn't just fake that I, could, well, I can, I'm just joking I can walk now like it's I <laughs> I couldn't walk and I mean the, that and I couldn't, I can't, and I double-edged and mean so, That's, it was very glaring, so it wasn't, that, I don't know not that made it easier, but it took, like, took the, uh, the, the, uh, took it out of my hands, really. I couldn't, it's just not that I didn't, I had to say, oh, I, I can't play water polo, I can't do a triathlon, or I can't bike ride now. It's just like, I just physically, it's not going to yeah. happen. I'm just going to yeah. fall down, I'm going to, yeah, fall down or drown, I mean, you know, no, it's that's simple. True. For me
3: Yeah No that makes That makes sense Cause it Like I Like I know what you're saying But also I don't know for me I guess Technically Not playing was my choice But like I wasn't getting clear To play rugby So what happened yeah. with me is I had like a knee injury And um, They didn't know what was up And it was still Just really messed up But yeah. I'm glad that I had that knee injury So it was
5: You took it, later, you took it out of your hands
3: It another concussion Like It's Kind of I don't know. I stopped because my knee, but I should have stopped because concussions years ago.
5: (laughs) Exactly. But it was taken out of your hands. And it's
0: interesting how like a physical, like, break me a bone or something will take you out and you accept that. But then if it's anything mental or your concussion, it's like, no, but I'm physically able. I can still get yeah. out there. I yeah. can do it. And it's yeah. like only my mind is slowing me down. But that's not true because your brain is what's controlling every part of you.
4: Literally. Me <laughs> and my mom are talking about it, and I brought this up a couple times. Is that I think that that there's like such there's like societal cultural belief, at least in the West, where it's like if you believe something hard enough, it's yeah. gonna come true. Yeah, and I think that's what happens. If we believe we can play, yeah, and not get hurt. It's gonna come true, and that's just like total like denial of re- reality, yeah.
5: right? <laughs> to, to yeah. You're naive, yeah.
4: I mean, it's yeah. It's, um, it
5: was it, see, that's just like he was saying. That's just like he was saying. You can't control everything. It's one yeah. of his big one of big lessons he learned. Is that he can't Which control is
3: it? So hard. When you want to control everything, but you <laughs> can't. And um, I think that talking about control, like
4: I, for years, I thought that I had made the decision to stop playing soccer. Because somewhere in my head, I was like, "Well, if I play, what if I can't talk again?" And I, I thought I had made that decision. And talking to my mom, I guess maybe like nine months ago or something, she was like. You know, like, you you got an assessment by the former head of the APA, who I work with, and he said that you can't play contact sports again. And I was like, ah, oh.
0: oh, that's <laughs> a bad idea to me. It's,
1: yeah.
4: Yeah. it's, it's like It me. wasn't my <laughs> choice.
3: <laughs> like so badly,
4: like, and I think I I needed it to be my choice for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I needed that for myself. And now I can be like, okay, I'm really grateful that he said that to my parents and me. Um, he had told me that I have to find something else to do. And I was like, Oh, I always wanted to play
3: lacrosse. <laughs> <he was>
5: like, <laughs> That's athlete,
3: safe. Though. Oh, I'll just switch to another sport. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. me. <laughs> um, but
4: yeah, like I, I kind of needed it to be my decision for a long time. Um, the other thing that he brought up and Aaron, maybe you have some input on this from your work is he was talking about um, that social anxiety he feels and like, how do how do we get over that right and i know the support group that we run provides a lot but um and it provides a space for us to like feel comfortable like oh yeah feel stupid but i think there came this point where i was like i just felt so disconnected from the world and other people um that i just felt awkward and stupid and it's carried on to now so we're like i'm still pretty okay in conversation um, but I still will always walk away from a conversation thinking that I was incredibly awkward. And I have no yeah.
3: idea. But kind of And stimmed. like, you're not, though. You're not an awkward yeah. person. You're not. Yeah, I know exactly. People talk to anybody. <laughs> and I always
4: feel uncomfortable about it. And it was, I really, really related to what Dane was saying. Yeah, About that.
0: Avoid- I think it's very evident, too, with university students as well, because there's so much social things that are happening at that time in your life and if you have a concussion any brain injury whatsoever like you're going to get much more fatigued easier you're going to get overwhelmed by a lot of sensory things which is parties which is a lot of what people are doing you're going to be trying to approach new people and try to have a normal conversation but you might not find the words right away and that's going to make you feel worse it's like all of those combined when you have that brain injury is just going to make you feel worse and worse and more awkward and the social anxiety i'm not even surprised how much he talked about it because i fully believe like anyone who's had that injury will experience some of those effects until they reach a point of a support group or good group of friends that understand i'm not always going to be a hundred percent but i'll always show up kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. what'd you say yes. Kay?
5: Today or... um, oh, there she is there yeah. she is now now she's back. I think or no is she not oh, again, yeah, I can't tell.
3: I haven't done anything <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> it
3: Your microphone that was weird. Oh, I heard my voice echo
4: It confused me. I thought it was you, know, but I think it was my echo. <laughs> I think that um, I think that that whole like the social situation like really tanks. For me, it really tanked my self-worth, which just continued, which becomes an issue with recovery because you need to, you don't need to, but it's really difficult. (laughs) You (laughs) need
5: confidence to do your...
4: Negative self-worth comes in.
0: Yeah.
4: But, yeah, Dane's awesome. Like, now now he's He's studying for his MCAT,
0: applying to med school. Yeah. Yeah.
5: You really made me wonder
0: if he wanted to do sports medicine, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think he's, he's not
4: sure exactly what he wants, uh, okay. but I'm sure.
0: I don't
3: know. <laughs> Emily, sure. Um, he also, um, also, I feel like the whole, like, just, like, social stuff is also heightened so much because at McGill, I feel like the average person is self-conscious about being smart enough and because there's just so many people who are, like, ridiculously smart at McGill, Um, and so even the average person, and then throw on having a concussion and trying to recover and, like, the Students for Disabilities office is horrible, so you're, like, doing everything (laughs) by yourself, Um, and he was talking about how, like, for finals, he just, like, locked himself in a room and tried to study and, like, everything just came back worse and stuff and like just crazy. Um he also talked about how like the Buffalo Protocol really helped him. Um
0: I think it's another interesting aspect, like a dimension of the social anxiety is the loss of identity we talked about too. Yeah, like yeah. he just lost his entire like personality almost in a sense of sports. Like he can't do that anymore. So that on top of like all the anxiety you already feel it's like, oh, well, what do I talk about if I can't talk to the guys about the game we just played, mm-hmm.
3: right? Yeah. yeah. I think people don't realize, I mean, even athletes don't realize how much their sport is part of their identity, like how much it's like um, embedded in everything they do. Yeah. So yeah. it's just a sport to some, but like it's it's really not. It's not no. a sport. It's
4: life.
5: Socialization, Yeah.
4: <laughs> That's your commitment. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. It's hey, uh, it was the, um That is something that we, we've come to struggle with at McGill is the uh, the lack of understanding with concussions. Man, there was this really good guy gonna he got a job. I know he's gone for him. got know. Yeah. It, it's you know it goes to say that. This difficult this difficulty in explaining concussions to people that haven't been through it, it is not, you know, does not exclude the people that we're supposed to get help from. It really doesn't. And that's that's you know,
3: it's sad. Really hard. And especially if you are dealing with a concussion, how are you supposed to like you're already you've already got all this social anxiety in you and then you finally work up the courage to ask for help and then you're shut down or not given the resources you need well that's
0: not helpful or even not taken seriously either like i found it interesting how he noted like the first med he was given wasn't a like depression medication kind of thing i was just like that doesn't seem (laughs) connected yeah oh i forgot Um, yeah i
3: think i assume what he was given was like trazodone based on what he was saying and um but, yeah, they didn't give anything for, like, his, I don't know, anxiety or try and, like, figure out, like, what's going on. Like, he said, like, his body literally felt like a chemical cocktail, like, yeah. and whatever they gave him was making him feel so much worse.
5: And those panic attacks must have just been, must have been just, I mean, if his head already felt like a cocktail, those panic attacks yeah. definitely did not help at all like those were those can be really debilitating
3: yeah Yeah. but on a positive note though when Dane gave his talk about a month ago um, so I guess um, yeah it was about a month ago he said that um, he's been symptom free for a year and three months so I guess now it's like four months which is awesome Um, and he talked about how it changed him forever Um, it emerged um, like uh he's come like out like more self-aware healthier um and it truly was a blessing in disguise for him
0: yeah he attributed a lot of that too to that exercise program that the yeah, doctor the recommended doctor, right uh, yeah horrible.
3: yeah confusing I mean, yeah. for me and i just i don't know like um he sent me his sheets if you want me to send them to you emily that would be awesome. I still find myself a little exercise
4: intolerant. And I've never said anything because I thought I was supposed to be done with the concussion. But when I got sober, it turned out You're no
5: better than to... that, Emily. Tsk, <laughs> <laughs> tsk. <So tish>. I...
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I still have the concussion. Um, so the exercise intolerance might still be due to that. <laughs> um, yeah. The other thing, I think Dane is. I think Dane was such a. You know intense medical narrative I think it's going to make them a really good doctor one day and I think yeah yes. going to understand you know how do we understand the individual and not oversimplify and overgeneralize
0: literally
3: yeah
0: and even when he I talked
3: about doctors. oh go ahead go for it <laughs> I was
0: gonna say even when he talked about like the supplement multivitamin pack stuff too he was aware that like they might not even be affecting him it could just be the fact that he was resting anxiety-free kind of less stressed and I was like man you already <laughs> thought about everything <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm the reflect on everything and yeah. yeah he's so self-aware and also just like the fact that like he was comfortable enough to get that vulnerable with I mean people that like he's never met like I think majority of the people there were people that um, he never met before um and i mean now it's gonna be on a podcast like the vulnerability was amazing too
0: yeah yeah it was awesome Karen, <laughs> do you have anything else no i think i i made like a note sheet because i wasn't <laughs> sure what you we were doing but i like wrote down notes while we went through yeah and we did basically can. everything i put down but i like i guess the final point that he really drove home to me was the absolute need to slow down
1: and yeah, then also yeah. commit
0: yourself to, like, a program that's helping you. hmm That's so, so Definitely. Learning
3: that. so yeah. important and it's, yeah, so important.
4: It is really important to take the time for it. Um,
3: yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's a really good point. Yeah. That's honestly the most important point ever yeah, it's just uh, so unfortunate
5: well it's I here it's just time but that's frank that's like the that's cure-all really
3: yeah yeah um so thanks to nick for helping us do this podcast and thanks again to dane for sharing um, and aaron and emily for joining us today We'll have a new podcast posted Monday morning. Our upcoming podcast can be found on concussiontalk.com, Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. You can find more information about our group on concussionmtl.com. Our peer-to-peer support group is free and open to everyone. We hold three weekly meetings on Zoom, which we will link in the description. Thanks. Headcheck Health bridges gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada who rely on Headcheck to improve communication and optimize care. Visit headcheckhealth.com for more. The music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound